welcome to the first episode of the curated cast a podcast where we interview the top thought leaders and c level players in the industry since it's women's day today we have a very special guest among us she is a motivational speaker at mit and tedx and the author of a woman's guide to claiming space stand tall raise your voice be heard she is none other than eliza wancott In today's episode, we will take a sneak peek at tips and tricks of claiming space at our workplaces, learning to raise our voices, getting heard, and many more. Welcome to our show, Eliza. It's your time to be heard. This is awesome. I cannot believe this is happening. <laughs> I know. I'm so excited after all those days on Facebook in the middle of the night for me. Oh my god. <laughs> okay so coming to your book Eliza like I would like to appreciate you know the transparency that you have maintained throughout the book. It is so honest and you know you have put forward your most vulnerable moments of your life. Mm-hmm. So so could you please take us through the most pivotal moment of your life that has changed the way and you know made you who you are today. Yeah. Well, I had a couple pivotal moments, but I would say the moment that really birthed the book was when I got hit by a car. Um, mm. I was riding my bike, and mm. somebody thought it was a better idea to text and drive than just drive. And they plowed in. I always joke I got hit in the head with a car. They plowed into my head, hit one side of my head. I got knocked mm. unconscious, and then I got thrown in the intersection, hit the other side of my head. I woke up with a bilateral brain injury. Mm-hmm. It was just. awful and i was so um i i thought i was doing okay about maybe 4 weeks in and one of my friends came by and i you know i said you know i feel fine but everybody else is acting so strangely and she said eliza they're not acting strangely you're acting strangely you know one of my friends said i sounded like a stoned third grader <laughs> oh but, but yeah and i thought wow my and she said your communication is just shot and i thought oh wow i'm in trouble because it's not just that i'm not communicating well i'm in such bad shape that i don't know that i'm not communicating well and it was in that moment that i really realized um well actually it wasn't in that moment i wanted to hide under the covers for a while um but that's when i sort of started getting in touch with the idea of bravery and the idea that bravery is being afraid and doing something anyway and i realized i'm just going to have to be really scared and vulnerable and and go out into the world and learn how to communicate again and it was a huge deal and what i learned during that time formed the pillars of how to claim space right right that is the like that was the you know struggle of your life right that was definitely one of the big ones yeah right 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 So you could eventually see the light at the end of the tunnel. Well, I did see the light, but for a long time I couldn't see the light at all. Mm. I just trusted there would be a light. Um I I mean, I remember a friend coming over and trying to make an egg for her and just mm-hmm. seeing that egg fall on the cooktop. And it just yeah. I couldn't just didn't go into the pot and I just thought, mm-hmm. you know, is this ever going to get better? And um it, I was really scared. but it did and it just a lot of that was just hard luck you know because sometimes people are just too injured but also just hard work really hard work 
and um, committing to the idea that I was going to fail a lot until I figured it out. Right. You know, you have also mentioned in your book that uh, you were proud of your vocabulary before this tragic incident happened. And you were excellent in communicating with people. That was something you were proud of. So, you know, how did you pull yourself up and, you know, relearn all those things and, you know, present yourself in front of the world? Yeah, well, um, I, when I don't understand something, I research. That is kind of my anxiety response is, well, let me figure out what this is. So I started researching and researching and researching. I researched body language, I researched voice. And then I'd also, I have an interesting background of political science for my undergrad degree, but then also I started an acting school and I uh, did, I was found an acting program that has been around in New York for over 20 years. And I have been teaching people for years how to use their voice and physicality to come to characters. And I started also deconstructing what I'd been teaching people and applying that to myself. And wow. really looking at how do people come into, why is it that someone comes into a room and everybody listens to them and respects them and somebody else comes in the room and no one really pays attention to them and they can look the same, they can be the same age, the same race. And it really has to do often with how they're carrying their body and how they use their voice. Right. So, uh, you know, usually people say that if a woman is ambitious, she is seen to be aggressive. But if she is not, she is seen as a pushover. Right. So. What do you think? Is ambition a bad word? How do we maintain a balance between the two? Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I don't think we need to maintain a balance because there's nothing <laughs> wrong with being ambitious. I mean, what I always say is flip the script. You know, if you're talking to about a man and he's killing it, he's just rocking, people are like, oh, wow, he's so ambitious. It's awesome. So why on earth should it be that a woman, somehow ambition is a bad word? Absolutely not. I'm thrilled that I am an ambitious person and I'm proud of it. And you know, if someone says you're ambitious, like my answer would be like, thank you. Yes. <laughs> I appreciate the compliment. <laughs> so yeah. I don't think we need to be afraid of these words. And I do think that as they say in the book, words are used to control us. They, you know, there are all these words that we put on women literally to make us fear them and change our behavior, like aggressive, bossy, crazy you know all of those things and for me i just when i hear hear that kind of hysterical you know i just i know at that point someone's trying to use words to control me and i just don't even let it bother me mm, right i think that is probably the reason why you know there are very few women in the field of science and technology mm -hmm. right? so what message would you like to give the audience for empowering their female workers in this industry and you know to encourage young girls to pursue a career in technology science yeah well i mean i think there are several things the first thing is find a mentor it's really mm. important that you find a mentor they have done research that when a boy is struggling in a male dominated field 
they will call their parents and often their parents might even have been in that field and they know someone and they say, oh, I'm struggling, I'm struggling, I don't know what to do. And the parent says, work harder, just work harder. You can do this, work harder. And when women in STEM do that, the answer they often get is, well, maybe this isn't for you. Maybe you should change your major. And so what you wanna do is find people that are gonna say, no, 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 you can do this. And, and I believe that you can do it and I believe in you. And we wanna make sure that we are going to the people who are gonna say that to us and not to the people who are going to tear us down. And I talk about that in the book. I mean, we all have anti-mentors in our life who are the last person we should go to. And often they're the first person we call. And it's just like, why do I do that to myself? So I think that's a big one. And then the other thing is network, network, network. Uh, they have, we, and this is for all jobs. We have systems set up for men to hire each other and promote each other. I can't make a deal with a guy in his underwear in a locker room. Like I'm not in the locker room in my underwear, but you know, I don't, I can't tell you how many male friends I have who said, Oh, my friend, Joe talked to Bob. And then we decided that, you know, uh, Tom was having trouble. So we referred him to this person and then he got hired. You know, I'm not in that room. So we need to find our own ways to network. And I think the two ways to do it is one, to insert ourselves into the old boys network as much as we can, but two, to create a parallel network, a parallel network of women who are doing the same thing for each other and making sure it is not just one, you know, one group of women in America, I can say not just white women, it is all women and we're pulling them all up. And I think those two things are, are critical mentors and networking are critical because the brains are there. The ability is there. It's just getting the emotional structure to make sure it happens. Right. As you say, when we rise together, we rise higher. That's right. When I say that in the book, when we rise together, we you rise so lot. much higher. And, you know, yeah, that has been engraved in my brain. So I, I really believe in that. Yeah. I mean, it's so true. We can't, um, there's a saying, no one is free while others are oppressed. And I, I just don't believe that women can rise. And if you think about it, you know, if you're looking at the American model, white women are not all women, of course, right? So if only white women are rising, we don't have the strength and the other, you know, we don't have a, as much of an army with us doing it because we're cutting out people. So even if you don't feel in your heart, which I hope you do, that we should all be working to rise together, even from a selfish standpoint, if women united, we're 50% of the population, we would be great. And so we just need to really put focus on, on making sure that no one's getting an unfair share of the pie and that we are absolutely raising up our sisters at every opportunity. True, true. So, you know, Eliza, uh, there is an old assumption that women always compete with each other at workplace. But I would say millennial women are changing the scenario by replacing the competition with collaboration. Mm -hmm. so what do you think? Um, well, I think that's right. But I do think there's something I, I discussed, which is called the scarcity myth. And the scarcity myth is this thing. Historically, if you think of power as a triangle, at the top of the triangle is where all the power is, right? At the bottom, at the base, it's where the least power is. And the top is small. Historically, it's only been white men up there, historically. And mm -hmm. maybe one tokenized person in each category. So one white woman, one black man, whatever. Mm -hmm. There, and often 
if there was this thing where if, you know, when one person would leave, so they'd say they retire or whatever, then the other person gets to come in. And so we started to have this feeling of scarcity, like there's only room for one of us here, which often is true because there was so much tokenization. But the problem is if we are fighting each other, of course, you know, how are we gonna rise? And what I always think about this visual is the men have locked arms at the top of that, you know, at the top of that triangle while we're all fighting each other. And I call it fighting for your spot on the bottom. We're all fighting each other where the men are looking down being like, hey, this is awesome. You guys just you know, keep doing that while we network and hire, and hire each other. So this is great. <laughs> Thanks for knocking like all of you out of the competition. Because you know, if you don't, if you're fighting amongst your, yourself, it's a great, it's a great way to keep people oppressed. Because if you're fighting amongst yourself, how can you possibly try to unite against, or not against, but how can you possibly unite and try to make sure that you are supporting each other and moving up? And I, I do want to be clear that it's not against because there are so many men right now, and it's wonderful who are so dedicated to making sure that everyone rises, and that is a huge part of why we are hearing more voices. And so. Um, it's it's really inspiring actually <laughs> right uh, often this happens at workplace that men charge a bomb for pretty mediocre work but women hold themselves back doubting their potential so how do we realize who we are and build confidence in ourselves yeah i mean that is true yeah men just charge in and women are a little um <sighs> I think there are several things, but I think the first thing that I think is really important is that I often people have this feeling that we have to have confidence and we have to not be afraid to do stuff. And I don't know about you, but every time I've done something that's really important in my life, I've been scared, really scared, not a little scared. I mean, writing this book was a terrifying idea. You know, all of these things, you know, my first talk, terrifying. And if I waited till I was fully confident and felt that, you know, I had no fear, I would have never done any of it. So the way that I think about it not is not, you know, you have to believe in yourself. I think sometimes you just have to do the thing and then you'll say, oh, wow, I rocked that. And then you start to believe, yeah, I, I, I can't believe I took this risk. It worked and now I can do it. And so for me, it's really not about, it's great if you can believe in yourself, but often I think you, it's the doing of it that helps you get there. And the only way to do it is to be brave. And as um, I often say that bravery is not an absence of fear. You know, bravery is being absolutely terrified and doing something anyway. Um, I always say to people, you know, that, that picture of that dude with the sword running into battle, he's like, ah! And he's not afraid. I'm always thinking, first of all, you know he's afraid or he'd be insane. So, you know, if it's important to you, then you should be a little bit scared. It just simply I mean it's just your emotions way of saying this is important to me. So, you know, I say just do the thing. Don't worry, don't wait for the moment where you feel most confident. Just do figure out what your goals are and do them. So you mean success comes the moment you step out of your comfort zone, right? Yeah. Yeah. And you, and you, <laughs> I think the success comes the moment you rethink your ideas about fear and bravery, mm -hmm. you know, because as, as long as you keep thinking that successful people never feel fear and they never, and they're always brave and that brave means they're not afraid, then you're never going to do anything because very rarely are the things that are, are very important to us, things that don't scare us. 
<laughs> you know you always seem so confident so what pushes you out of your comfort zone <laughs> well um yeah i'm not always confident um the first podcast i ever did i thought i was going to have an actual heart attack uh i just had an interview the other day with uh somebody and for possibly getting on a really big venue and I was having a heart attack all day. Long. <laughs> oh my god. So I don't think it's really that I'm always confident. I think that um <laughs> I think that I just know that a lot of life is about doing the thing that makes you afraid and not I I think we listen to our bodies a lot. Like mm-hmm. you know, like when you're going to give a speech, you're like, "Oh man, my heart is racing. Oh man, you know, all of these things. I'm sweating. I'm this and Uh and what I always tell people is yeah who cares you're not going to die from a racing heartbeat you're not going to die from sweating you're not going to die from fear nothing is going to happen except you're having a physiological feeling so before this this I mean I I get nervous before podcasts I just sort of think to myself oh isn't that interesting my heart is racing hmm what's up heart okay it's breathing on and right I'm just going to do it and So it's not that I don't experience those things it's just that I don't judge myself for feeling scared or any of those or or having a physiological panic response and that allows me actually to panic less. Right, right. Um, you are an incredible person and an exceptional leader. So how would you like to define your leadership style and how has it evolved over the years? a good question. Um well, I think that for me the way to really connect and to reach people if you have something really that you want to share is to be authentic. Because I know when I see somebody who's talking and they act like they have it all together, I just first of all either I don't believe them because nobody does or I think I can never be that. I can never, you know, they might be saying all this stuff, but it's yeah, I can never do that because it's obviously easy for them. And I think that being really authentic about the truth in life, which is that it can be very hard and that we're all struggling and doing our best is a way to be a leader because it allows people to be vulnerable, to be authentic and to realize that anyone can really step into their power anyone can claim space and you don't need to be some cookie cutter fake perfect person so for me that's really really important is to be authentic and real and um also to have be really open to hearing and listening and learning because i will say that there are certain things that i really was bad at years ago and i've gotten better and better and better and that is from making a lot of mistakes and learning from them Right, right. Also, you know, there are plenty of things in our lives where being a woman just bogs us down. So, how do we claim our spaces and make the most of being a woman? Well, I have five different aspects of claiming space in the book, and if you're if you'd like, I can actually go through them with you. That yes, would be please. something. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I will I would I would love to do that. So there are five aspects of thinking space and I learned this when I was working on my book and 
Um, I, I want to be clear that it's not as if you are going to get them all at once. You know, you're not going to wake up one day and suddenly realize I can do this. It's more about a state of mindfulness and just always working toward this. And so what they are, um, and I'm going to take a sip of water, which you should always not fear silence or taking care of your needs. <laughs> There's my water. Um, so the first one is out of the five is claim physical space, bow to no one. So you want to communicate powerfully with your voice and your body. So claiming space is having great posture, speaking with confidence, um, because there's a story your physicality and voice tells and you want it to project confidence and strength. The next one is claim space collaboratively, amplify each other. So forge relationships that uplift you. And claiming space is just not a solitary activity. So attend to your friendships, cultivate professional relationships, lean on other women, help other women, create and nurture effective old girls networks, but then also make sure you don't have anti-mentors in your orbit that would cause you to shrink. So make sure that the people who are in your orbit are, are powerful and they, and they ra you raise each other up. The third one is never cede your space. So I'm a nerd, I'm a sci-fi nerd, the worst. So neutralize your kryptonite, which basically just means stopping your patterns of self-sabotage. So look at your past, identify your pain points. Are you susceptible to toxic relationships? Do you have imposter syndrome? If you gain an understanding of what brings you to your knees, you will, it'll help you not fall down on your knees again, if you really get that. Uh, the fourth is claim safety in any space, shut it down. So thwarting aggressors and protecting yourself. So this means refusing to put up with interruptions, mansplaining, microaggressions, and you can do this in different ways. One is by cultivating an ally, and the other is learning how to shut them down yourself. And the final, final one, which actually I think is the most important as a collective, if we're really going to make progress as women, this is the only way it will happen, and that is claim space united, um, commit to intersectionality. As I say in the book, you can't, you can't uh, claim space with a one-woman army. You really can't. And you can't claim space where everyone is the same. So you want to create a better world for us all. And Because unless you're claiming space for all women, you're just not claiming space. Claiming space demands solidarity and unity. So approach your work and your life with an open heart and an open mind. And most importantly, listen to, believe, and advocate for other women. Because, you know, uh, as you said earlier, you know, when we rise together, we rise so much higher. So those are the five, the five ways that you can really, if you can work on this throughout your life, you will be one hell of a space claimer. <laughs> <laughs> that was amazing. So what message would you like to give our listeners? Um, in turn, well, I think the most important thing is that if I were to say one thing that people want to take away, it's that you have the right to claim space. Mm -hmm. Because that is the first step to claiming space, is to understand that you have the right to claim space. Women are taught from the time we're little girls to be nice, to make people comfortable, even if it's at the expense of our own comfort. And we are taught to be small, to cede space, to make sure everyone else is expanding. 
And the first step is just believe you have the right to claim space. We are 50% of the population. We deserve 50% of the space. And once you do that, all the tools I talk about in my book, they're not hard to implement, but believing you have the right to implement them is the hard part. Right, right. You know, somebody like me who has gone through the book, I can assure you this book is not going to be something short of a revolution. Like it is, it is, I feel privileged to have, you know, gotten an early access on the book and trust me, this book makes you better. It, it definitely, uh, you know, pushes you to step out of her comfort zone and, you know, it made me feel like if she could do this, why can't I, you know? You're making so, me want to cry. <laughs> 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 well, that's wonderful because the truth is that you can do it. You know, every woman can do it and we all have right. the right to do it, you know? And I'm not like, I'm no, I'm no better at doing it than anybody else. So I think that we all just need to work on it every day and forgive ourselves when we don't do it perfectly and keep going. That was a fantastic conversation. Thank you so much for doing this, Eliza. It is absolutely my pleasure to have you as our guest on Women's Day. Well, stay in touch and um, for sure. have a lovely evening. I'm not and letting you go anytime soon. <laughs> good, good. That's good. This is just the beginning. For our listeners, hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have liked this, please do not forget to shower likes on social media. Stay tuned for more such exciting episodes.